You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hello, and welcome to SpyCast from the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Dr. Vince Houghton the museum's historian and curator. Every month, we bring you interesting talks with authors, scholars, and practitioners who live in the world of global espionage. Join us as we take a closer look at the secret world of intelligence. Our guest today is Major General Oleg Kalugin, retired. Uh, General Kalugin was uh, the youngest major general in the KGB uh, during the Cold War. And as many of you know, he has been a member of our board since the beginning of the museum. Uh, one of his major duties when he was with the KGB was he was in charge of counterintelligence worldwide, which led to his traveling to a variety of countries. And we thought it would be interesting today to interview General Kalugin about what is going on in the Ukraine, uh, Russian designs on the Ukraine, specifically on Crimea, and just to get his views on the situation, specifically uh, on the sort of strategic aim of Russia and also the intelligence perspective and what is happening. I am joined today by Dr. Vince Houghton, who has just joined us at the International Spy Museum. He is our new historian, and he will be, in fact, uh, overseeing the podcast as we go down the track. He and I will alternate, and uh, and in some cases, perhaps we'll be together as we are today in interviewing someone. So I'm glad to introduce him to you. I'll go ahead and start off the questioning, and uh, Vince, you join in whenever you, whenever you uh, are so moved. Uh, General Kalugan, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Okay. Oh. Uh, you're a familiar face. You're a familiar face from being here in the museum. Let me start out by asking you, where does Ukraine fit in with sort of the Russian strategic picture? Where, how does Russia see the Ukraine? Well, the current events uh, in Ukraine and Russian assessment of that situation, uh, they are going back to the century-old, uh, well, relations. Well, Ukraine was part of the Russian Empire, and though there were some guys in the in Ukraine who tend, to, I mean, preferred the Catholic Church, and in that sense, they were closer to Poland. Uh, the other, the eastern part of uh, 
uh, Ukraine well, was just part of the Russian you know, language, culture. And um, inevit inevitably, once Ukraine uh, became an independent state, so the problems between the two countries all of a sudden, you know, are back. And uh, since I watch Russian television every evening, uh, they recall uh, um, a guy, uh, ultra-nationalist uh, from Ukraine, Bandera, uh, who, uh, oh, it's not probably a fact, but uh, he is referred to as a former, well, collaborator with the Nazi, I mean, Hitler regime. And so, in fact, uh, as uh, well, some people who are interested may know, he was at some point poisoned in 59 and died, well, else? Well, we know from Russian recent history, uh, there were people who were poisoned, uh, but in the old days they would simply shoot them and uh, put a concentration cap. So, well, that's part of Russian history and Ukraine is part of that history. Is there, does Crimea have a special significance, a special role in, in, in how Russia sees the world and sees Ukraine? Well, uh, Crimea has a special role because it was part of the Russian territory. Uh, I mean, before, I mean, after, rather, when the Tatar and Turkish, you know, people just possessed that land. And um, it was the Crimean War of the 19th century between the Russian, you know, armed forces and uh, guys from, uh, you know, Turkey or Muslim, which led to uh, Crimea, well, in, in, I mean, in the long run, become part of the Russian Empire. Uh, but um, Ukrainians do not, many of them do not accept that idea. They say we have every reason to do our own job. And actually, well, until the re resignation of, I mean, President Yanukovych, just a couple of months ago. Well, things did not seem that threatening. You know, now with the Moscow sort of uh, uh, presence uh, on the high level, not yet finished, of course, but it has become for Russia hard to uh, conduct the old style policies. The prospects of a war between Ukraine and Russia have become really strong. You know, when you hear people speak about Ukraine, Crimea, and Russia, many people go back to when Khrushchev gave right. Crimea exactly. back that, to the Ukraine. What is the significance that, well, of that? What was that well, about? Khrushchev, as you know, lived a long life before uh, becoming Russian, I mean, Soviet uh, Secretary General and leader. But uh, he had some Ukrainian background, I believe. And uh, Khrushchev, one of his really historic gestures was a gift of the Crimea to the Ukrainian people. I mean, because the Ukrainians were part of the USSR, I mean, Soviet Union. So it didn't really matter. But once Ukraine uh, has chosen its own way, uh, Crimea is, well, has popped up as a, well, just something threatening to Russian military, naval, Facilities and general Russian possession, a island which was a gift to Ukraine. Now give us, I mean, so Russians are very unhappy about that. But this was when there was a Soviet Union, oh, so yeah, it, was, it, was, it was already within that. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah, that's true. That but um, Union, as it were, with so it wasn't the that collapse of the Soviet system, and yeah. I'm talking Soviet with Gorbachev, yeah. I mean, Yeltsin rather. 
when the Russian Federation became an independent state part of the former USSR, things have changed. And we now see the revival of nationalist uh, you know, uh, emotions in Ukraine. And um, uh, well, uh, that's really a, a deeply disturbing fact because Ukrainians will not surrender. And if they are uh, led by some uh, figure with even a uh, uh, nationalist background, they will accept him. So there was a, I mean, uh, I mean, a major brewing. Uh, so maybe, I hope it will not happen, but uh, military involvement of the two countries. And of course, Russia has well, many ways to uh, do the job, but Ukrainians, I say, ever since Bandera <laughs> was part of the Russian, I mean, yeah, so resisting. The Crimea itself is in the Black Sea. And can you talk briefly about the importance strategically of the Black Sea for Russia? Well, the Black Sea, it's the Mediterranean. Yeah. You know, well, Turkish, you know, sort of may as part of NATO. But the, Turkey, as you know, these days are also, I mean, sort of instability. But um, uh, through uh, Turkish, I mean, uh, you know, through Turkey, they go to the Mediterranean. And in the Mediterranean, we have our friends there, well, close to, to the area, like, say, uh, President Assad of Syria, for instance, yeah, some other guys. And, uh, so the well, Mediterranean, that's the Atlantic Ocean. Right. And, you know, that's the world. Uh, in that sense, uh, I don't think the Russians are going to go that long way. Yeah. But technically, uh, this is possible. So... What, what might be some of the signs that Russia is going to actually invade Ukraine? Like, what, what do you, which can you tell people to look for in the news that might tip off the public? I hope, but this is just hope, that Russia will not go that far. I mean, the Kremlin. Uh, because that would maybe the beginning of a major confrontation between the West and well, the sub-former Soviet Union. Well, the Cold War practically is over. Ideological struggle, I mean, has been essentially abandoned. But some, well, historic issues now pop up as major events. So I think, I hope that the Russians, uh, the Russian leadership will provide some, some kind of a compromise, which would not appear as a defeat of the Russian Russians, and yet, Know, somehow respect the emotional, I mean, state of uh, the Ukrainian people. Would the invasion of Georgia in 2008 be a framework that you would expect to see again used? Well, no, I would not compare for two reasons. Georgia, I mean, was part of the empire. Many uh, Georgians were always friendly and uh, sort of felt comfortable with Russia. And even today, when there is no well, I mean, Soviet Union, well, I go to the Georgian embassy once in a while, right here. Friends, you know, but they are friendly, good people. And I say Ukraine has a different history. And then I, the Catholic Church collaboration with Nazi Germany during World War II, that's what uh, makes Ukraine a really difficult uh, problem to tackle and resolve. The, uh, as, as you know, uh, there is a referendum scheduled for the crime yeah, yeah. for Crimea yeah. uh, on Sunday, Six, I believe. 16th, I believe. Right? And uh, I, we have also heard that the uh, 
that Russia is sort of giving out passports rather liberally if someone has any right. trace back well, to Russia yeah. or even wants to be part of the Russian thing, they get a passport. Right. So it's sort of creating a sense that the, there'll be a majority, if you will, in Crimea of people sympathetic right. to Russia. So if that vote goes well, for Russia, what would you expect to happen? Well, uh, there are many ways to resolve problems. The least acceptable is a military solution, because that would lead to uh, a major confrontation. And with e Georgians, it was not a problem. But with the Ukrainian, particularly the western part of Ukraine, which, uh, uh, well, even in terms of their spiritual values, they belong to the more to the Catholic Church than to Russian Orthodox, you know. And that also makes the difference. Children as well were sort of, you know, in that sense, faith, you know, and friendly despite all the political problems. Yeah. Do you have any sense, because you, after all, you had worldwide responsibility for counterintelligence, yeah. but that gave you insight into various countries' intelligence services. The, the, how capable is the intelligence service Ukraine? Well, I'm not sure they uh, have uh, uh, become something of, uh, uh, well, uh, that's my view, a personal view, but I do not see any comparison with the old, I mean, Soviet and current Russian when the KGB is running the country. That's what I've been saying. A truly unique situation. Uh, uh, you heard that from me earlier. The Soviet society was built on three major pillars. I mean, the Communist Party, um, uh, KGB, or security, and military-industrial complex. With the collapse of the USSR, things somewhat changed. And if we talk about three pillars, number one is KGB, number two is a Russian Orthodox Church run by the KGB, and Russian business, which, come, I mean, you know, accepts the rules, otherwise he will hang himself in the bathroom like Berezovsky in London or like Khodorkovsky now in Germany or Switzerland. I mean, a business who does not fit into the you know, general structure is you know, doomed. So if, if, God forbid, a war starts, if Russia decides to invade Ukraine, what kind of actions would you expect Russian intelligence or even special operations like Spetsnaz to engage in to try to destabilize the Ukrainian well, regime? I think the Spetsnaz services would play a crucial role before the war starts. That's their business, actually, either to defeat the enemy or avert a military I mean, conflict. And, well, the Russian intelligence service and, uh, well, the current, uh, you know, Russian security and intelligence guys, they are moderates. They are not uh, the old-style human side, so different. Except and they that, keep a low profile. Except that except Putin, Putin is, himself. Yeah. <laughs> right, that, that's what I was going to say. Except that President, for him it's a matter of personal prestige in a sense, you know. Uh, well, the USSR fell apart and now, look, Crimea? Uh, that's part of Russian history. We fought the Turks, the Muslims. How come? And the Sevastopol, you know, a major naval base for the Russian no, that for Russian it's a matter of prestige. So, well, hopefully, Putin always looked for some kind of a compromise. Uh, well, in many uh, different situations, 
Ukrainian-Russian, I mean, potential confrontation would be suicidal for the both sides. That's, that's my view. I mean, do, you, do you see Putin trying to reestablish, I mean, he's not trying to rebuild the Soviet Union, but he's trying to reestablish the sphere of influence that Russia has. I mean, not over the Baltics, because they're, they're as European as you can get, but over, like, you know, obviously Georgia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Moldova, some of the, the, the countries that were far more closely tied to the Soviet system. Do you, do you see him trying to reestablish some control over those countries? Is, this, is Ukraine's situation an indication? Well, I don't think they will go that far. I hope so. And uh, there is opposition in Moscow, and actually a few public um, you know, demonstrations. Uh, they were some hundreds or maybe a couple of thousand people in Moscow, and even parts of Russian territory behind the Ural Mountains and the East, you know. So the people are alerted, and uh, that would, uh, I, I hope so, and I say this is my view, that Putin will not go that far as to employ military force. Well, the special forces and special operations, that's a different story. You have to find evidence, you have to prove, but the military action, I hope, will not occur. So if you were advising the American intelligence agencies right now and say, here's what you should look for, to predict a week from now, two weeks from now, if an invasion is going to happen, if it's not going to happen, what are some of the indicators that you would look to or that you would tell them to pay attention to? For example, troop movements uh, I, or... Uh, well, uh, the um, uh, Kerry, I mean, uh, uh, the, uh, the, I mean, chief of the State Department, right? Oh, right, John Kerry. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, we met the first time some 30 years ago <laughs> here in Washington. Well, he has, uh, I hope, he has been talking to Lavrov, the Russian yes. foreign yeah. minister. Uh, and I think the United States, and uh, there were some threats of economic uh, sort of, uh, you know. Freezing assets. Uh, freezing assets, yeah, bank uh, you know, assets. And, uh, and uh, well, and Ukraine uh, may lose economically. I was really pleased in the sense that uh, Secretary of State Kerry traveled to Ukraine and delivered, according to the Russian media, and I haven't seen it, a $1 million check to the, uh, you know, to people help the solve situation financially. Because the Russians, um, well, it's really a ridiculous story. Ukraine in the old Soviet and, you know, days of the Russian Empire would provide Food, you know, you know, people of uh, uh, professionals. Now that's really amazing. Ukrainians have no f food stuff. Right. They are dependent on uh, uh, sort of uh, imports. And, the Ukraine uh, at one point was the breadbasket of Europe. Exactly, right? the, Europe, and, uh, yeah. the Russian and Soviets, yeah. you know. And now it's a uh, I mean, really, just historically, well, just a major. Disgrace. I mean, uh, well, that's part of the <laughs> post-World War II world, right. you know, falling apart. But uh, in this case, I say it's not, you know, uh, Baltic states easy to deal with, but resistance will be also tough. Uh, and Russia had experience fighting a small country like Finland. Right. <laughs> they thought, oh, the Finns, well, that's a former Russian Empire territory. But it has proved to be quite, 
quite, you know, and, until the Russians found a way to the hearts and minds of the Finnish leadership. I was involved in that process, so. <laughs> would, would you expect the same if, uh, of a Russian occupation of Ukraine, that there would be widespread insurgency against a Russian occupation or the people themselves? Yeah, I believe up? so. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that if uh, Russians um, do something uh, in the military side invasion or whatever uh, with their special forces units, uh, that may lead to real trouble because the Ukrainians will not accept that. And I'm talking about the majority of the people, not all Ukrainians. Some. Because the, the war wouldn't last. The war between the Ukrainian military and the Russian military would be relatively short. Yeah, oh, But occupation's absolutely. a whole, I mean, that, the United States learned in Iraq that yeah. occupation's a whole other story. That's right. Yeah. By the way, I uh, will probably, that's a, appropriate uh, uh, that was Putin's present Putin's words uh, the downfall of the USSR was the greatest uh, tragic. Ge tragic geopolitical right. catastrophe yeah. that's correct so yeah. oh, well <laughs> you know you you have told me in the past you knew Putin he was a a, a junior officer in the KGB, when you were in the KGB. That's correct, but what, can you honestly, share any of your impressions of him with us? What? No impressions at all, none. <laughs> uh, you know, he was uh, not a student of yours. No, or no, no. Well, in yeah. fact, uh, well, as he was born in Leningrad, St. Petersburg, like myself, we actually were neighbors. Well, he's younger than me, but we just same couple of blocks away. Uh, but, um, well, Putin uh, graduated from Leningrad University. He is a lawyer professionally. And he was picked up by uh, former mayor of St. Petersburg, a kind of a liberal Democrat, Sobchak, the guy who mysteriously died while in bed with some woman, allegedly, but no one knows the truth what happened. Sobchak's daughter, though, Ksenia, she disappears often on Russian television. I think that Putin tries to somehow, I mean, make the family at least uh, less vulnerable. But, um, well, uh, the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the century. Uh, these words uh, should not be ignored, I mean. Uh, and, uh, well, I say the Russians will try to use special forces and subversion, whatever. But uh, I hope there will be no major military confrontation between the two countries, but I mean, the, Ukraine and Russia. The, the forces that are in Crimea now, yeah. uh, these are military, yeah, they're they, very organized, right. they're very disciplined, they have no patches, no insignia. No, absolutely. It, but those are Russian forces, or are they some sort of militia? What do you think? Well, uh, it's, uh, well Russia is a multinational, multi-ethnic, so there may be Russians, Ukrainians, Georgians, and Tatars, you name it. You know. I do not know the composition, uh, of the, but they were selected. They were just uh, sort of uh, checked to their... You know, backgrounds, uh, and uh, well, we'll see if they manage. Very, yeah, they're very organized and very disciplined. Um, they're they're very careful not to uh, comment to the media. Uh, they don't antagonize the media. Uh, they've now sealed off the border with Ukraine right. proper. Um, so uh, I mean, 
this whole series of steps, both moving those forces in there, we understand that some communications have been touched off, have been cut off uh, out of Crimea. In other words, and, and you recall when Russia went into Georgia, there was some cyber cyber, cyber warfare, warfare type right, that's tactics. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it looks like the same is being employed in the standoff over well, Crimea. Well, right, but this is better than using just uh, just force and military power. I mean, rather find some subtle things. I mean, with the uh, current uh, 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 intelligence, uh, you know, capabilities, picking up the phone, go, oh, you know, that from American experience. <laughs> so that's what Russians have been doing for decades. But, but and in yeah. that sense, I think they are fully aware of what's happening, and they are not ready to attack, because that may really plunge the whole part of Europe, and maybe Europe as well, because the British and French, you know, leaders, prime ministers, they came out with, under the United States, though quiet relatively, not as vigorous as the European nations, but, well, that will be a major confrontation. But I think you're right, and this is very quiet. It's sort of an intelligence, uh, using intelligence, covert forces, and so forth. But the effect of this will be well, if to they grab Crimea. Exactly. Well, yeah. that, that's correct. Yeah. But as I say, uh, that kind of a gift well, of this former USSR to the Ukrainian people, uh, well, remains a valid uh, argument uh, for many Russians today. They said, look, come on, this is our Russian territory. I was talking about the last uh, yeah. century or two, rather. I mean, so what the hell, what, how, how could they claim that's a Russian and that was a gift to Ukraine because we were part of the mighty, you know, USSR. Yeah. So you should well, appreciate that and not get involved in military provocation. You make the Russian case very well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I watch it every, day, every yeah. evening at the Russian television yeah. channels <laughs> from Moscow. I think... Uh, your insights have been valuable. We're delighted you came in today. Well, thank um, you. And so thank invitation. you for joining us. Oh, my and, pleasure. Uh, we will bring you in again. When, okay. and, and it may be about the Ukraine. And okay. It may be about okay. Ukraine okay. again. And uh, uh, let me welcome you again, Vince, to the uh, podcast team. So I look forward to uh, doing more interviews with you. Thank you. Yeah. We look forward to continuing this dialogue with you. And we'd like to know if you have any comments or questions on today's SpyCast. You can get in touch with us through email at spycast at spymuseum.org. Thank you, and we will see you next month. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.